Welcome to the Innovate CT Podcast. Welcome everyone to another episode of the Innovate CT Podcast. Uh, pretty excited because we have two guests tonight at the same time, uh, which is, which is uh, I think, a first for this podcast. So gentlemen, thanks for joining tonight. And uh, I'll, I'll do a quick introduction of, of both of our guests, and then I'll, uh, I'll ask each of you to dive a little bit deeper. And I'd love you to, for you to share a little bit about your careers and how you ended up where you are today. And, um, you know, I think that'll help people understand why we're doing a podcast. So, so I'll start with Jonathan Moore, uh, and he is the MIS Program Director um, at the OPIM Department at the University of Connecticut uh, School of Business. And we also have Ryan O'Connor, who is a technology incubation um, employee at Spark, um, very cool tech company for those of you that don't know it, and also an adjunct. So, gentlemen, uh, welcome to the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks. So, I'd, I'd love it if you guys could just you know maybe tell tell everyone a little bit about how you how you ended up where you are today in your roles. So, Jonathan, we'll we'll start with you. Uh, I think you have a pretty unique story. Um, coming you know not your traditional way to become a professor at UConn so why don't you share with everyone yeah definitely um so for a number of years I ran the student tech support department at UConn um at the time it was called Husky Tech and so right out of undergrad I'd worked there as a student worker um and our kind of manager at the time had moved positions they asked me to come in uh, kind of just temporarily for an interim and uh, kind of really loved what I was doing. So applied for my own job, got that. And then eight, eight years later, um, got an opportunity in the department I'm working in now. I had been, I made a lot of connections with them, um, just kind of working. And a lot of the student workers that I had were MIS, Management Information Systems uh, students. And I started to do some part-time teaching, some adjunct work on top of, you know, running the, the help desk and desktop support for students full-time. And then eventually they asked me to come on full-time as an instructor in residence, so a teaching faculty, um, and, and I didn't. Yeah, and I think, and I was, I think we, you know, we were talking about this before we, we started the podcast. I think having uh, people like yourself um, – as, as professors al- alongside PhDs, I think it's truly a, a, a real benefit to students because I think they get both, they get the best of both worlds, people that have been in academia and people that have been in, in the, uh, in, in more in like the, the business world. So I think that's awesome. So, so thanks for sharing that. And then Ryan, why don't, why don't you share a little bit about your path as well and how you uh, ended up at Splunk? Yeah, definitely. Um, so similar to John, I was, uh, I used to work in IT at UConn. Um, so I started out my career there similar path being a student worker uh, doing desktop support help desk activities and then uh, got really interested in security actually so ended up kind of actually just loitering around the security department at UConn a lot and hearing about different things that they were doing and so that's where I first heard about Splunk actually was uh, in the security department um, so you know UConn was a customer back then even in 2010 I want to say uh, so Similar to John, I was working there and then part-time, you know, teaching an adjunct class here or there at nighttime. And, uh, yeah, ended up finishing up grad school, uh, the master's in business analytics and project management at UConn. And so, you know, at that time, I had a lot of security experience. I had a lot of experience with big data and 
things like that. And so eventually jumped to being a Splunk consultant and then working a couple different gigs, um, worked at Sony briefly at, in their sock and now actually ended up at Splunk directly and their technology incubation program. So I'm a advisory engineer, um, as we're building out new products and things like that, I'm helping kind of give direction to some of those things, which it's pretty exciting actually. Can, for, for those listening, Ryan, that don't know Splunk, can you give maybe a couple, you know, couple sentences about what, you know, what, what's the mission of the company? Yeah, definitely. Um, so my, I tell my students about Splunk a lot, um, not just because I work there. So I, just to be clear, um, I just want to paint this picture. I, I do work at Splunk, um, separately i work as an adjunct professor at yukon and so i so that that's a recent change you know i just started working there about two months ago um so i i've been telling students about splunk for a few years now just because it's i call it the best kept secret in it (laughs) um and so in a lot of in a lot of places that's what it is it's this product that is used to collect real-time data um, analyze it and drive a ton of operations at a lot of companies everything from security down to you know iot um you know the the possibilities are kind of limitless just because of how much it can do i mean you can throw any data at splunk it'll ingest it you know you can store petabytes of data per day and you know so really you can you can get to a lot of get answers to a lot of questions that you might have really quickly i guess so very cool yeah no yeah thanks you know it's People probably heard, have heard of it, maybe knew it was a tech company, maybe not knew exactly what it was about. So thanks for just sharing a little bit. Yeah. So, so why don't I ask this question? So, Jonathan, you know, uh, you're you're in this role now at, at UConn, and, and you do you do a lot of different things um, with the school, which I think is which is which I think is pretty cool. But I want I'd love for you to go a little bit deeper into the OPI Innovate Initiative uh, that, that we've been talking about now for probably the past past you know few months that we've known each other, uh, and how how that kind of evolved into what it is today at UConn um, and, and the mission of, of the Innovate Initiative. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I've only been a faculty member for um, three years going on four right now. And um, my first year, I kind of got my feet wet. Second year, we started to think about how we could really interest students, recruit them earlier. It was a challenge at the time I came in, kind of MIS, um, the overall numbers of students in the major were, were stagnating. And I started to really look at it subjectively and saying, well, what's the issue here? It's that students, as they get into the school of business, they were kind of afraid of the, the business tech side of things. So how can we empower them? How can we get them interested earlier um, and not just have students fall into the major, especially because it's so up and coming? So we started to plan and, and think, you know, uh, we, we had kind of an unused research lab could we start buying some technology, doing some workshops? And Ryan was involved in that early on. Um, we, we hired a small team of students um, to kind of help us build this out. It started with some volunteers. And then it's really just uh, came together. And we officially opened the doors for our initiative services um, about a year ago. So our mission, though it started out as really a recruitment tool for students within our major, became something much more than that. Um, We really wanted it to be a place that could exist outside the curriculum, um, but maybe informant, that 
brought emerging technology skills to students, but also faculty and staff that were willing to partner with us. Um, the other piece was I had a lot of students going out to internships and jobs and just saying, you know, we need um, more skills out, outside of what kind of the core curriculum is. Um, we've been asked to do things like AI and drones and, and virtual reality, and we really don't have any kind of background in that. So that was another push to say, well, we need to get this technology in here. So we started to plan and we're like, we're going to start with five tracks. Uh, virtual reality which one of the big ones because um, there wasn't really any VR content happening around UConn a year ago. Um, we then, uh, 3D printing was natural, um, microcontrollers, IoT, and then analytics to tie all of, all of that emerging tech together. And we just started with a series of workshops and we built out a research lab and then kind of an innovation space. And it, it went from there. We started to offer more services. Um, the workshops led to getting um, students in in other ways by doing daily demos. So now that we have a small team of lab specialist students, they would research different kind of um, technologies that we, we would throw on that and they would build projects and they'd learn about it. Um, and then we, we kind of opened it up as a sandbox space for people working on classroom projects or hackathons or case competitions. We'd partner with other faculty, bring them in and have a class around maybe how VR is disrupting business. Um, and it, it's really just kind of snowballed from there. And, you know, weekly I'm getting emails inundated about how, how can we partner. Um, so we started internally with departments um, and different organizations and programs, and we've kind of expanded to startups and a few other companies just recently kind of bringing them in, having them partner with us with, with workshops. Um, and one of our big projects that came up and kind of came out of Innovate was this IoT project we did. Um, this all started with a workshop last spring where we just wanted to introduce people to the idea of Internet of Things and how it's really changing industry. Um, that was really popular. Ryan um, offered to, to put that on. And then I asked him a few weeks later, would you be interested in turning this into a special topics course? So I think there's the interest there. Um, he agreed. And then it, it kind of just built from there. So, yeah, and I, I'd, lo I'd love to, to dive a little bit deeper into what this, you know, how Ryan and, and Jonathan, you leveraged your relationship with, you know, outside companies and, and really, and to your point, Jonathan, it, it sounds like it's evolving quickly, right? I mean, you've only been around a year and you've already, you, you've, you've highlighted, I think, a lot of things that people at a lot of colleges, universities wish they were doing, right? Um, about partnership, internal and external partnerships with, you know, with faculty members and startups and the business community and things like that. So well, how, what, it, it, dive a little bit deeper and, and if either of you could explain. So you went from this, this specific thing in this, this workshop that, that Ryan put on and how did it evolve? Like what happened? How did that happen? Yeah, I'll do the first part and then Ryan can kind of take over um, where he, he gets really heavily involved. Um, so as, as an additional background, um, an important part of Innovate was keeping it inter interdisciplinary. It also aligned with the analytics minor, which we launched about a year ago in which um, kind of bringing these series of courses that any student at the university could take. So we really started seeing 
students even outside the school of business pursue this. So we'd have history students, we'd have English students really wanting to learn an analytic skill set and apply it to their discipline. So when we were looking at building out a course, it was important for me, um, I'm a big proponent of service learning as well. Um, service learning being kind of bringing community projects into the classroom or bringing students out to the community. And in my travels, um, as I was talking to Ryan about this course, I connected with a number of faculty in the Department of Natural Resources, and they oversaw um, this kind of newly built aquaponics system at Spring Valley Student Farm. This is a, a farm about five miles off the main store's campus where um, students kind of oversee the farm. They grow a number of different things, multiple greenhouses, and they had built this new aquaponics system that they were taking over and trying to get up and running. So I, I met with um, Julia Cartabiano, who's kind of the faculty manager of the farm, and said, are there some things that we can help you, you know, um, kind of oversee? Can we use IoT? Can we use data to solve business problems within the system? Um, and that started the conversation of, um, could we create a proof of concept? So Ryan and I were discussing this. What, what would that look like? We started to try and figure out what the class would look like, build a curriculum around it. Um, and so this brings us to about, I want to say, the June time frame where we're, we're at the farm. We're working with these other faculty and the students that work there. And, uh, and Ryan could kind of take the story from there. Basically, in talking with Julia, she, she had kind of just told us about this farm and the facility that they had set up. And what was nice about it was, I mean, like anyone else, um, not anyone else, but a lot of people who are interested in microcontrollers and Raspberry Pis. Um, I'm assuming, uh, Nick, did you talk to other people who do, you know, microcontroller projects or anything like that as like a, you know, and like an I have I haven't on the podcast yet. I mean, uh, we might have to we might have to get someone on here that, that did that. But sure. <laughs> um, I think I think you know a lot of the, the the a lot of our listeners probably know what a microcontroller is, maybe not exactly what it does. Gotcha, gotcha. In, 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 a, in a high in a, in a great detail, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Um, so, I mean, we were using Raspberry Pis. You people may have heard of like Arduino or Raspberry Pi or something like that, uh, and a, a good amount of people in IT. Or, or in the innovation space know about these things just because they're so versatile. And so I had a couple of them at my house that I've done different things with. Um, I would use them to automate different features in my house or collect data from things. And so when we talked to Julia about this farm, this aquaponics system, there just seemed to be a lot of overlap and things that I might've already done versus things that she may have wanted to accomplish there. Uh, so, so yeah, John, John's correct by about May, May or June or so, we were installing some sensors and things like that on the farm and, uh, you know, getting that up and running. And we had already kind of kicked around the idea of a class. You know, what if we actually talked to people about IoT and, and not just IoT in a home sense, but industrial IoT is a whole other thing that's going on in, in the world, um, you know, with things like SCADA systems or anything else. And so it just so happened that we wanted to do a class on that, uh, and I had some people that I knew at Splunk who were doing some cool stuff, which has now obviously been publicly released, that they have a, a mobile app, and they're doing things with augmented reality. And so it, it kind of made sense that we would partner with them for a beta of that app. And so we, we uh, yeah, we got some augmented reality 
uh, systems set up and we were able to actually not only put those sensors out in an aquaponics facility, but, you know, we tested it out and we're just astounded that we could actually see metrics from all these sensors in real time using augmented reality. It was kind of, I mean, John and I were both taken aback that we, (laughs) we had something like that up and running. And so we figured we should share this. And so we built a class around industrial IoT and the things that we had done. And uh, yeah, I mean, I guess kind of the rest is history from there. You know, we, we were able to build that partnership with Splunk's mobile team. And uh, ever since we've been kind of toying with um, augmented reality and mobile alerts and all this other fun stuff. So, and I think that's an awesome story because it, to, to Jonathan's point, it's, it's interdisciplinary. It's also the whole experiential learning piece by bringing students outside of the classroom to, you know, to a, another location. Mm-hmm. And it's, and it's the whole uh, you know, education system working with industry. So it's like, it's like three awesome things all happening at once, right. Mm-hmm. With, uh, with this project. So uh, what you, you guys, you, you mentioned it's now a class, right? So it's just, you, you, you have Jonathan, you have people enrolled in this every semester doing different things with industrial IOT. Well, this was the first class we offered. Um, so we're pivoting a little bit because of the aquaponic system during the winter and the farm kind of shuts down a bit. So we were trying to think of what we could do um, for the spring. Uh, Ryan's teaching a machine learning, a foundations of machine learning course um, utilizing um, Splunk as well. So that's another special topics that we're kind of pivoting towards for the spring. Um, we're trying to figure out potential projects that might, um, again, take us out of the classroom and align with some other partners. Um, we don't have anything definite with that yet, but we are looking on maybe next fall, kind of revisiting it, coming back to it, um, and uh, figuring out if, if that partnership with the farm makes sense again. But it's kind of opened the doors for doing some of this work on campus, some of this, whether it be IOT, whether it be um, analytics in kind of the analytics sense or um, just or even the augmented reality stuff. There, there's all these applications now in which we can really have our students work on real world problems. Yeah, no, yeah, I, think, I think that's fantastic. The, the nice part is the, the farm actually, I have to plug them a little bit here. Uh, Spring Valley Student Farm, they're they're pretty involved in campus in general. So they're not just at the farm, they actually grow uh, vegetables and different things for some of the dining halls on campus, which is pretty, um, pretty cool, actually. Uh, so they're an organic farm, they grow vegetables, they and they don't just grow them, um, even though it's a student run farm, they still actually put that stuff out there. So they're kind of giving back, um, participating in farmers markets and all that kind of stuff. So I think not only uh, could we partner with that farm, but all types of different things on and around campus, you know? No, yeah. I mean, you, well, now that you now that you've built this model uh, that, that that could be replicated as far as in, in the engagements, both internally on campus and externally, uh, I think I think you're right. You know, it's kind of you know where do we want to go from here, right? Um, mm-hmm. Jonathan, one thing you, you mentioned that I thought was really interesting is so I. A very long time ago, graduated from the the uh, UConn Business School, then I'm a S degree, um, mm-hmm. and this this obviously did not exist when I was there. But 
when I went to when I went to UConn for for MIS, um, in the business school, it, it was it was primarily just business students that were in, in our classes. But you you mentioned that you're getting students from other majors coming to the Innovate Lab to do work there. Yeah, um, which I find interesting. So here's my perspective on this. Um, you know, I'm a big believer in kind of the process of design thinking. And I, I brought that as an alternate um, kind of way of thinking about projects into a lot of my classes. We built our innovation space around that process of if you're going to build something, always keeping the user in mind and understanding kind of the iterative nature of prototyping. Um, and also the fact that too often, uh, you know, early on students are, are, are made afraid to, to fail at something, right? So can we make a space that's interdisciplinary so you get the best people um, kind of working together from all different backgrounds to work on projects, to learn from each other? Um, you know, that's an important thing for me. And it, and it just so happened, though, even though we started this as a real MIS kind of school of business initiative, um, keeping it open, keeping it interdisciplinary has just um, – made it so much more impactful. And, and really, we've been able to reach out, especially, again, because we were able to launch this analytics minor. It's a natural synergy with many other disciplines and ones that might not be our, our like initial go-tos, like an engineering or a digital media design, but, but liberal arts even. And, and taking students and faculty from that and saying, you know, VR is going to disrupt your discipline. Um, it's going to be a part of all these different facets and being able to bring that to them as well. Um, it has been amazing. Uh, our workshops are populated all across the board from business students to, to liberal arts, to engineering. Um, you know, sometimes we'll get uh, even faculty from different areas. So my goal is to keep it as open as possible as long as we can, given, given the traffic, given that it is in our department, um, so we are limited by space and, and when we can be open as well. Um, but it's just all of this kind of leads to the idea that together, if we're kind of open and we, we share these resources and, and build teams, then we just have a much more impactful narrative kind of coming back to why I connected with you is this idea that I think we people that are like-minded in this bring innovation, uh, bring creativity, you know, it starts with higher ed and then probably even earlier, realistically, but, but we're, we're the ones that are handing these students off into industry, right? So how do we keep that going? How do we make that natural pipeline? Um, and it's not by doing it in silos. No, I, I, I 100% agree that I think in order, in order for Connecticut to continue to be successful in, in the innovation economy, we have to work together and the interdisciplinary piece is huge and the, the, the partnerships between education, the education world and the startup world and the business community are so important. So I, I absolutely agree with all that, all that you just said. And, you know, I think, I think the other thing that I find, I, I just, I just thought it was really cool that you have all these students that aren't business students coming to the lab. Cause I think that's great. And I think it shows that what, what the, the type of things you are working on really do touch a lot of different majors and, and, and different worlds. So I think, I think that's fantastic. I want to uh, 
I want to ask a, a couple other questions around. So the lab is about a year old. You said you're, you're clearly there's a lot going on, right? You have a lot of different, uh, a lot of different balls in the air, if you will, um, as far as where you're going to go from here and how you're going to kind of continue to, to grow the lab. And I, I know on, and on your website, which we will absolutely put in the details of the podcast so people can go check it out, you have an entire list of, uh, of student workers that help run the lab, right? That, you know, that are there so you guys can have hours so people can go, go, uh, go utilize it. But I'd love to ask you the question. So, you know, a year from now, where, where do you want this lab to be? And what, what, where do you think you'll, you'll, uh, the, the vision goes over the next 12 months? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, uh, like anything else uh, in higher ed, it, it comes down to resources, funding, and even if it is something that's successful, we still may not be, um, you know, backed for to get bigger space because all of that stuff is limited. Um, so it, for me, I mean, perfect world, we would get a bigger space. There's, there's some really interesting initiatives that I want to pursue that could be part of Innovate, like having a, a fully dedicated BR lab that is reservable, that is staffed by students, um, that you can have full classes in where you don't have to break down and set up the equipment. Right now, our lab and our innovation space has to be almost like a, like a mobile space. We have to break down certain things to set up other stuff. So it's very, it's flexible, which is good, but it adds that extra time um, and kind of barrier for, for some people uh, to want to participate. So if we can have more dedicated space where you have like, you know, the different hubs of, of VR. Uh, I've talked to a number of different partners in this space. There are some schools that have already looked into this, like, you know, their nursing program, um, their, their final exam is the students have to reserve 30 minutes and go into kind of this VR lab and there's different rooms, like say five or 10 different VR setups, and they have to stop a patient from going into cardiac arrest in VR and make all these choices. And oh, that's wow. their final exam. Um, I've, I've been that's approached cool. by, yeah, it's, it's really awesome stuff. Um, but again, that just comes down to, I, I, it's all doable. And we have partners and peer institutions doing it, but uh, will people see value in it and, and invest in it? No, I think, I, think, I think it's a fair point. And I think it's one of those things that you, you made a really good point earlier. And, and the way you're going about it, I think makes a lot of sense. Not everything's going to work, right? So you're going to try things that aren't, they're going to fail. That That's just reality. And I, I love how you're trying to bring that, <laughs> that whole idea of design thinking and, and, and that methodology to the classroom, because if, if you look at how we're taught from early on, failure is never really something that we promote in school, right? It's all about, you know, you got to get these grades, you got to do these standardized tests. And the whole idea of like failing and failing fast is not something they teach a lot in school. So the fact that you're trying to bring that in, into into what you're doing i think is fantastic where i can um and this isn't all courses because it's a little a little bit more difficult to do that but but where i can do this i i really like to focus on the idea you know students come in whether it's being an independent study that we kind of work through innovate we, we in all independent studies and all our honors thesis we kind of work through the process of design thinking building a timeline and doing all this stuff but where I can, I, I focus on, um, you know, what do you want to get out of this? What do you want to learn? And, and really try and self-direct it as much as possible. Now, some classes are harder to do that at multiple sections. Some stuff has to be standardized. And then, 
but again, it's oftentimes I'll get the students, well, I just want to get an A. And I'm like, well, right, what right. do you want to learn? And it becomes this very nebulous, like second or tertiary, you know, secondary or tertiary goal of even um, retaining content or, or learning something or doing something because they're interested in it. Um, and, and for me, um, it's a, like, what value are we giving them? You know, to get in my soapbox for a second, but like this idea that that higher ed and, and everyone needs a degree uh, to get a job, um, even entry level nowadays. And the, this concept of can we make our degrees worth as much as possible? Can we give them the skills that translate onto a resume? You know, you, you have students uh, coming out of a four year institution and they, they don't know what to put on a resume. Well, what did you learn in all those classes you took? What are the tangible things right. that you can put on there? I think that's really, really important. No, no, I absolutely agree. So I, th- I think it's well said. So I want to, I want to close with this, and I want to, I'm going to go back to, uh, to Ryan for the last question. So Ryan, working at Splunk, what? Ex- explain to our listeners the value that Splunk got out of this partnership with UConn on this project, and you know how, how the the people at Splunk interacted with the students and the faculty at UConn? Sure, yeah. Uh, so, I mean, realistically, uh, Splunk's only benefit was just pretty much just a test bench for their app. You know, like, it was pretty early on that they were trying out augmented reality. And, uh, I mean, they had quick wins. So their their mobile app, I'll, I'll cover it real quick. They have three things. Uh, one is, so Splunk dashboards. I know a lot of our listeners are probably new to Splunk, but uh, what's nice about Splunk is you can build dashboards of all your data, so a whole bunch of visualizations and all that data kind of loads in real time. So their mobile app, one thing that it does is brings those dashboards to your phone or your tablet or whatever securely. Um, the second was, so alerts, like you can actually have push notifications sent to your phone. Um, and then the third one was augmented reality. So all three of those things are pretty new to Splunk. Um, if any of our listeners do you Splunk, then they'll, they'll know that those are, have been waited eagerly awaited for a long time. Um, people really wanted them. So they're there, but you know, something like augmented reality is so new that they needed a good use case for it. And an aquaponics system on a farm, that seems like a pretty odd use case, but you know, why not? Sometimes when you're developing things, you need to just, you know, throw things a curveball and see how that happens you know, works and things like that. So um, we just gave them feedback on what worked and what didn't work. And they were able to use that to make corrections and things like that. Um, I think anyone who develops stuff can appreciate um, having someone that's going to give you constructive feedback, you know? So, um, and I, I can't say that they were around when all of our students were around, um, but they, they continue to any, like, we used the app in class the other week and we found some bugs and things like that and said, Hey guys, it'd be real nice if we had, you know, this thing working. Cause it doesn't seem to be working optimally. And they're like, Oh, you know what? Let's, let's see if we can fix that for you. Uh, and, and they've been pretty snappy about it and helpful and I can't thank them enough. So. Yeah, no, I, I really, I, again, I think the partnerships between, uh, you know, Colleges, universities, you know, high schools, even, and and, and the the business the business community, it, it really really are fantastic. And I think the students they get so much out of it um, that they probably don't even realize when they're actually doing the project. So, 
Uh, awesome. Thanks for sharing. So I just want to, I want to say thank you to both of you for joining and telling us a little bit about yourselves, about the initiative, um, OPIM Innovate uh, up, up, at, up at the University of Connecticut, and then also the, the partnership with Splunk and, and the project that you, you both were, were a part of. So uh, I think I'd love to check in, um, Jonathan, maybe uh, in 2019 to kind of see the uh, continued success of, of the program and uh, maybe get some new updates and hear some new uh, new stories about what's going on, if that's okay with you. Yeah, sounds good. Hey, Nick, can I make one more shameless plug before I get off here? absolutely. Yeah, of course. (laughs) Sure. So if if any other higher ed listeners are on here, um, one thing that's powered uh, the lab and things like that that John and I um, have set up is something called Splunk for Good. So they actually have an initiative where they offer a free license and free training to uh, higher ed institutions, veterans, and um, I'm drawing a blank at the top of my head, but anyways, they do offer Nonprofits. Uh, yes. So yeah, they they gave us a, a 10 gig license to power our Splunk infrastructure, and then all of our students, you know, anyone who's a faculty, staff, or student at UConn can actually take two different Splunk courses entirely for free. So that's huge, and students are coming out of UConn with real Splunk skills now. So and, and anyone else in a higher in a higher ed institution can register for that. So yeah, very cool. No, that that that's fantastic. And again, getting getting students the these types of skills that are going to be really uh, powerful uh, post-graduation, I think is extremely important. Yep. So thanks for that plug. And uh, we'll definitely set up more time to chat next year. If you would like to get involved with Innovate CT, please visit our website at www.innovatect.org. There you can find links to our social media. We currently are active on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, and hope to hear from you soon. Thank you.